Thank you for tuning in to the third episode of the Record Broker Podcast. I am your host, Marv Kelly. It's a beautiful day in Austin, Texas. For my folks out there, I hope you're staying warm. It is election day. Please go out and vote. I truly appreciate that. Uh, let's get right into the show. What's hot right now in music? The estate of the late John Coltrane discovered a lost album of his and it's entitled Both Directions at Once, The Lost Album. If you are a huge jazz fan like I am, especially avant-garde, I suggest you pick it up. It's a beautiful album. It's remarkable work. That's one of my favorite artists of all time. A true genius jazz giant. Go out there and get it. It's perfect music for the wintertime. Get cozy with the one you love with a nice glass of whiskey the fire burning with a throw on the couch and let that album just turn away it's beautiful uh today i have a very special guest it's one of the lights of my life someone who has given me so much love who has changed my life for the absolute better my lovely girlfriend Tracy Corbett. Tracy, say hello to everybody. Hello, and thank you for letting me come on your podcast. No doubt. Thank you for being my lady and coming on to my podcast and <laughs> having an interest in it. How How's the week treating you so far? Very well. And I just, I want to say, honey, that I am so proud of you for even doing this. Um, mm-hmm. Makes me love you even more. Oh. And uh, I... It's taken our relationship to a whole new level to have this kind of conversation on the airwaves. So yeah, for the world to see. Yeah. And hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. So, great. What an honor. My week is great. Yeah. How's Austin been treating you? Good as usual. Yeah. I'm, I'm blessed to be here and always yeah. blessed to be in your presence and just feeling like, um, you know, it's always a nice getaway for me. Yeah, I'm blessed to be in your presence as always, whether it's here or there, but. We're always one. We're a unit. Yeah. We're the band of lions. Hmm. All right. Um. So, I have you on the show today. We always discuss this amongst ourselves, but I wanted to have the the world know about your profession and your expertise, which is. I don't even know how to answer that, honey. My profession and my expertise, I feel like that's those are some powerful words. Um, I can talk about what I love. I can talk about what I'm passionate about. Um, I can talk about, you know, all the things that we share that we have in common. Um, I think those are beautiful things. It's, it's hard to proclaim oneself as an expert but well i think you're an expert though yeah i think you're an expert well, I, think I appreciate that the, you're welcome the advice that you have given me has definitely uh changed me for the better with my health um so i know you have a fitness background so um i i have i've never asked you this but i wanted to know uh what inspired you to pursue fitness professionally and personally mm-hmm So really, like health and fitness, I guess, is my professional domain. Um, Like it's where I do, where I do my greatest work. Um, And, you know, it's an honor for you to say that I've somehow impacted your life in that regard, because that to me is um, really, I think, what got me into that field is a, a genuine very deep-seated desire to impact people's lives right and impact positive change in the world Mm. and to me when we have our health that extends into every other domain of our life right like what we really have control over what we really have the power to change and to impact is ourselves first and foremost so to answer your question about how I found myself in the world of fitness and health, I think it just kind of naturally evolved because it was what I, um, what I did as a child and kind of extended into my adulthood. I was always involved in sports and athletics as a kid. I wasn't a elite athlete by any means, but I, you know, 
typical little league kid. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my dad was my coach growing up. Uh, I played all of the sports pretty much all the way through high school. And while I definitely did other things and I was very eclectic and I continue to be, which is one of the things that's really connected us, um, you know, fitness and health is just something that I was always naturally drawn to. And, and really that turned into a career because of my desire to serve. Mm. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I think I know a little bit, but that's a little bit deeper and I appreciate you opening up to me like that and the world. Was there anyone in particular who inspired you to do fitness? I know you like the idea, the science and everything behind it and taking care of yourself. But was there anyone that you looked up to and was like, I think I would like to pursue fitness um, for this particular reason or someone you saw work out or anything, any athletes or anything like that? Um, I, not particularly. I mean, if, if anything in that domain, I would say just, you know, strong female athletes were always an inspiration, I suppose. Anyone in particular? And, well, now, you know, of course, Serena is yeah. probably my favorite, but, um. We love Serena. Yeah. Serena, come on the show. <laughs> um, well, that would be amazing. Yeah, please. <laughs> Episode three would, would go in the dumpster and... <laughs> no, it wouldn't. <laughs> I'm just teasing. That would be amazing to have Serena. But um, I, you know, strong female athletes, uh, of course, have always been an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, it's about inner and outer strength and, you know, beauty coming from the inside and um, and really showing up in the world and the way to do that is from a place of power and from a place of genuine uh, presence and I think you know all athletes uh, display qualities of character that I think inspire people I think that's why people are so drawn to athletes because there's a grace you know there's a presence there's a character and a discipline that shows up I think in the best of athletes that it's something that's contagious. It's something that we all want. Um, those qualities that we all aspire to. Um, and I think that is what draws us in. True. True. It's, it is, it's, um, all of the athletes do have something inspiring that they give to positive or negative. I mean, they're constantly watching even more so now, but I, I agree. Um, I, I admire all athletes that, that work hard, whether male or female. Uh, Serena is definitely the GOAT mm-hmm. of uh, not just tennis for women, but tennis, period. And she's... Uh, well, an athleticism, and period. An athleticism, period. And, you know, I commend her for going through um, her blood clots and fighting like a warrior to go through it although she lost in the end but that's that speaks bounds of her to go through mm-hmm. that she's she's definitely a warrior mm-hmm. uh, i as a guy or a novice or champion i don't think i would want to step to her with tennis well i think it's interesting that you use that term warrior because you know the warrior is a, really an archetype right like in our human consciousness mm-hmm. like i think we all have a warrior within us and Mm. that I think that coming back to this this topic that you're bringing up um it's it's powerful to think that when we see examples and glimpses of our human potential in someone else um that is extremely motivating Mm. and it's extremely um there's actually a lot of science behind, you know, seeing other people and living vicariously through that experience mm-hmm. and recognizing ourselves in that possibility. Right, right. So I think that's a huge kind of like opening that you're bringing up here is like w- that question, like what is it that draws us to these powerful athletes and kind of this uh, model of health and fitness that we seek in ourselves. You know, and I think that the media has got it backwards, right? We have a 
we have this concept out there in our culture of sort of scarcity and comparison where in the media what tends to be portrayed as powerful and beautiful it's almost like this is what it looks like and you can't have it right or you have to drive yourself into the ground in order to feel like you're one of these special people Mm -hmm. but what I think is missing from that equation is the recognition of that powerful light that is within us all and and what that really is is human potential right right? right. that's what really draws us together that's what really draws us to it's human potential okay but i i have to agree because you know from my accident and putting off boxing such and no feeling and feeling weak at a certain point I thought of my human potential, but not in those words. And when I got in the shape, I'm at my potential and not even at my peak yet Right. for um, my fitness. Right. So, That's why we're always striving for better. Right. That's why right? we're striving for better. It's right. also what you speak of in terms of why we're resilient mm-hmm. in distress or in hard times. There's, there is a, a drive within us all mm-hmm. to rise above and athletes really enhance that for us. Like it's like you see people overcome um, obstacles. You see people, uh, you know. It's why we love the underdog. Right. It's why right? we love Rocky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. True. So um, I know you're in the CrossFit. I don't think I've ever asked why CrossFit. Why is why the CrossFit fit you? So I think it's interesting that you say you're into CrossFit. So, you know, there, there was a time in my life that CrossFit called to me and Mm -hmm. it served me. Mm -hmm. And I would not say at this point in time, I wouldn't use that as a current descriptor that I'm into CrossFit. I recognize CrossFit for what it did for me. And I would expand that now to say, you know, my my angle is really functional fitness. My angle is really finding what works for each individual. And for me right now, it's much more variable than CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, but why CrossFit at the time that I chose it, I would say, you know, I got into CrossFit around 2009, 2010. And um, at the time, it's just exactly what I needed. I had been a runner. I had run marathons and half marathons, and I was just running all the time. And I was also burning out in life. Mm. So not only was I burning out in life, just burning the candle at every angle and running myself harder into the ground, literally. Um, and that was not serving my overall health and well being. Right. Uh, and at the time, CrossFit was compelling because I needed, uh, I can look back on this now and say, I needed to develop some inner strength at that time to do some courageous things. And CrossFit provided that platform. Mm -hmm. You know, CrossFit allowed me to do things that I never thought I would be capable of doing. Something as simple as a (laughs) pull-up at the time, you know, as a woman, yeah, I could probably do a pull-up. Uh, But there was something about progressing to the ability to do multiple pull-ups, to lift heavy, heavy weight and feel that capacity within me emerge. There was something around being able to execute skills like gymnastic skills that I didn't think I could do. You know, getting myself upside down into a handstand position, which for some people, you know, people who grew up in a gymnastics world, that would just be part and parcel, right? Like that's just what you grow up doing. Right. Uh, for the rest of us, some of those skills and the really varied um, kind of whole picture perspective of fitness going beyond just cardiovascular fitness, going beyond just strength, but looking at true fitness in the big picture, mm. you know, Okay. So you, at that time, that served me very well. Great, great. I'm, I I can tell it work. It works on you too. It's a. It looks great on you, honey. Thank you. You're welcome. Um. So CrossFit has its uh. Its uh, 
pros and its cons. It has its its support and its uh, its argument as to why not do it. Well, how do you feel about about that? Because some people say they uh, they try CrossFit and they get injured. Mm-hmm. What what do you feel mm-hmm. about those workouts? Because I mean, obviously you can get in shape with it, but mm-hmm. some people have complained about the uh, extreme that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say for me. You, you know, the important thing is looking at, you know, your own safety first and foremost and finding the right environment for guidance and coaching, whether that's CrossFit or any other sport or activity of your choice. So with CrossFit, I think there is a heightened awareness around the potential for injury because CrossFit grew in a very... Uh, fast and exponential way. It went like wildfire. And anytime anything grows that quickly, you know, you're bound to see a watering down um, of that, of that um, arena. And so now, you know, you've got, you can walk into any gym and they can call themselves a CrossFit affiliate, but that doesn't necessarily equate to highly skilled coaching and training True. that's going to appeal to the masses. Um, maybe elite athletes, um, you know, who are really looking to compete at that fitness level, that that could be okay for them. But for your average person walking in off the street, you have to have coaching that could accommodate those all of those different levels um, and abilities. Okay. So to me, that's what you have to look for, no matter what environment you go into mm-hmm. is. Are the folks here that I'm putting myself in their hands, are they able to hold a space for my safety and for my progress and my goals? Right, right. That's that's very important. The The, the proper training, the proper coaching is what's going to lead you towards your success and, you know, you with your own discipline. And meeting people where they're at and not pushing people beyond their capacity before they're mm-hmm. ready. Professionalism. Professionalism yeah. that, that all matters. Now, um... I know you also have a, a certification in nutrition. Um, I want to ask you, you know, there's a lot of people out there who uh, are going through certain food trends. Some people have to eat certain kind of food and some just choose to join the the revolution per se. Uh, what do you feel about those, those certain uh, food trends with keto, paleo, and, and gluten-free options in the world mm-hmm. um well i think it comes back to individual goals and needs mm-hmm. right i think the tricky part with these things is people tend to gravitate uh in a in a very general manner in terms of the latest trends or the latest science or you know the bandwagon of the moment and what it, when it comes to nutrition, you know, I think about lifestyle choices, I think about sustainability, and I think about longevity. I think about making choices that are um, simple, effective for your body and your goals, and also are going to align with your future. Right. It's really to me, it's about setting ourselves up for success for the long haul. Mm. Right. Like, what are the habits that I want to focus on now that are going to help me, you know, be around for all the things I want to be around for and have the quality of life that I want to have? So, a lot of it for me is about what's going to help me feel good, both physically emotionally, spiritually, and nutrition, in my experience, plays a huge role. I think we actually um, under... Undervalue Under um, attend to that, to that impact that nutrition has on our well-being. I agree. I agree. And so it's not so much about... It's not so much about, well, am I gluten-free or am I paleo or am I keto? I mean, if having a structure like that to follow helps you achieve some changes. I've seen some people make some very powerful changes like on whole 30, for example, right? To have a 30 day template 
that helps you engage in gravitating to more whole, uh, you know, foods that are, and if you can get off of processed foods and if you can reduce the sugar in your diet and some of these common culprits for inflammation and some of the other health conditions that we're feeding, right? right? Really, it's about what are we feeding? Am I feeding my wellness or am I feeding the potential for disease to fester in my body? That's a very good point. So if those programs help you to create change and cultivate new habits, then I, I would not fault anybody for taking on a structure and a program that's going to help them and serve them. But to jump into sort of a dogmatic approach that only is going to make you feel more restricted, deprived, not able to succeed in the long haul, if it's not something that you can truly embrace and sustain, then I would be concerned that it's just another fad, that it's just another diet to uh, support your concept that you can't be successful. And that, that I would not advocate. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. So you, you're a pro at explaining um, this information. <laughs> <laughs> explaining is easier than executing. So I, you know, I'm I'm in the I'm in the ballpark too. I'm trying to I'm in the We're arena. We're all in the ballpark. I'm in the arena and you know grappling with myself just like everybody else. Yep. I've I've dabbled in all of those approaches and ultimately. You know, my my goal is balance. Right. There is a 80-20 rule. There is that 80-20 rule, and the that works rule. for some people, too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe there's got to be a certain balance. That's what um, that's what you've told me. That's what uh, my trainer Jason has told me. I mean, it's, it's got to... you got to have some, some type of balance. But yeah, folks, just go out there and pick what works for you. You can't just jump on the keto thing, you know... Or the paleo thing, because that's the thing. It doesn't work for everyone. Everyone's different. It may have some of the same kind of general results, but it's not going to change you overnight, in particularly. Will it, Tracy? Well, yeah, not necessarily. Or it will. But again, you have to do what Your works. Part. Right. And I really um, believe in simple, right? Mm-hmm. Start simple. If people want to make change, the first thing I recommend is just attend and be aware of what's working now. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing we do is dismiss all of the things that are already working, right? There's Mm -hmm. a lot of healthy things if you sit down and take inventory of your um, practices now. Take inventory. What am I already doing that's working Mm-hmm. You know, most of us have been eating vegetables our whole lives. We've been taught from a very young age that it's a good thing to eat our vegetables. So we already kind of know these things inherently within us. And looking at what we're already doing is a great starting point. And recognizing um, what is happening, just observing by like tracking or by documenting it for yourself and then look at well what's what's something small that I can start to change you know adding one serving of vegetables a day to really increase my vegetable intake I'm just using that as an example Mm -hmm. as opposed to taking on an entire overhaul of my diet and trying to implement a bunch of different things that are going to be extremely challenging given all the other things that I'm doing in my life. True, true. So, you know, start where you're at is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, folks. Keep it simple. Uh, so earlier you mentioned uh, Serena as an inspiration or someone that you like, you know, seeing powerful female athletes. Um, what advice do you have for women that are looking to better their lives on the front of uh, fitness and nutrition. Any mm-hmm. advice you have for them for them that are listening right now? Mm-hmm. Well, or what you tell you some know, of your clients. Yeah, and this is as much a message for myself as it is for any other woman. I mean, I think for women, it starts with and ends with um, loving ourselves and celebrating and being grateful for the bodies and the hearts and the minds that we have Mm. to begin with. 
I think we spend an enormous amount of time in some kind of superficial dissatisfaction with who we are and trying to be something that we're not and comparing ourselves to a standard that is not even achievable, let alone desirable. And so my first advice would be really self-love, just body celebration. Just if nothing else, you know, if you can't find something to love genuinely and authentically say, I love about myself, start with just recognizing how our body serves us every day. Right. I mean, the fact that if I have two legs and I'm walking around on these legs, you're blessed. I'm blessed. I have the privilege of movement. I have the ability to use my hands to execute what I want in the world. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to start with just appreciating the functionality and the abilities and have gratitude for what our bodies do for us and the wisdom that is within us, um, that's a huge start. And it's a, and it's also the finish line because it's a, that's a lifelong journey for most women. And the second piece I would say is, you know, embrace your own power internally and externally. Um, and that can look as soft as, you know, the power in a hug of someone you love, mm-hmm. right? That can be the soft and the feminine. There's immense power in our, um, our softness, mm-hmm. but it can also mean stepping into our strength. And when it comes to fitness, I'm, I am so happy to the trends in, in strength training for women. Um, it's imperative. I think historically women have been afraid of strength training because we're afraid that we're going to bulk up or we're going to become somehow masculine or that it's not feminine and attractive to be strong. I'm so thrilled that that has changed and there is a, um, you know, a real embracing of strength training for women. Mm. It's, it's so imperative for our health and our future. Everyone's health. Absolutely, in the absolutely. But Taking you said specifically women, yeah. right? Yeah, like, absolutely. What advice would you give women? And so, if it's if strength training is something that you have um, shied away from in the past, I would definitely recommend you know getting some support from someone who can help you dive into that realm a little more. Right, right. I think I don't think uh, I think strength training is for everybody, but I I agree. I think some women have shied from that in the past, that bulking up, but um, I I think it looks, it's fine. It's a a good exercise to get into. It's it's, um, pivotal. It's pivotal for you, for your overall health and being. So, yeah, ladies, go out there and try it. Go out there. Balance, Uh, right? Balance. Balance, that's right. Get that balance in. Um, so I know one of our other bonds, many other bonds we have is music. I know you're, you're a sax player and you're a bomb sax player. Um, so can you name your top five albums or at least your top five artists? (laughs) I love, I love how you do that. Like you love to ask those questions. Name your top five, top five. That's what us musicians do. That's how we know your taste, and that's how yes. we can tell if we're going to be friends or we're going to hate each other, <laughs> or if you have crappy ears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I know you don't have crappy ears. We practically have the same library. We're close. We're, we're close. We're but we very have some, close. We have some good variety in our taste. We too. do, but they're you very have similar. Me to some and you've great in, music. You've introduced me to some some good stuff too. Yeah. So I was just thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask this question. Mm -hmm. and um, You know me too well. (laughs) I do. I do. And so, um, you know, this, sometimes I think about, like, I love your question about, like, Quincy Jones or, you know, Miles or Quincy Jones or 
Herbie. So yeah. the or is what throws me off, right? Like I want mm-hmm. to automatically put an and in there. Okay. Right? So, you know, I, what got me thinking about this is like, yeah, I could name and I will name some of my favorite artists. I'm not uh, skirting the question. But what I want to say about that is like different times in my life, um, different musicians have called to me just Mm. kind of like other things in life. Right. Like, but music has been such a powerful and like core part of my whole life. So, you know, starting with Billie Holiday, like she's probably like my top, um, kind of heart connection to music. She's probably where it all began for me. Um, I grew up watching Lady Sings the Blues with my mom. My mom is a huge blues um, and, you know, R&B fan. And my mom is the one who introduced me to the saxophone uh, and to just some of the great musicians that had a powerful influence. I talked to you about, you know, Stevie Wonder being at the time, you know, my very first song that I ever played on saxophone was You Are the Sunshine of My Life by Stevie Wonder. Um, I grew up on Lionel Richie. Um, I grew up being influenced by Quincy Jones and all of the really prolific uh, impact that he had on the world of music, right? So a lot of the greats, I would say, you know, really showed up for me. And... um, different points in time, different music called to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to play on stage with Prince. I told you that (laughs) my dream was to play with Prince and Sheila E. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, I mean, I, I think that just different things call and call to us. And for me, you know, music, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard for me to narrow it down to five, but uh, I was also thinking about Brittany Howard, the, the lead singer of the Alabama Shakes. And, you know... Great group. Great group. And, you know, Brittany, Brittany just goes straight to the soul, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you hear her sing, whether it's live or whether it's a recording. And her voice and just the the that sort of... That spirit within her that gets expressed in her art... Right. Like that is electrifying. Like you said, it is it is a straight lightning bolt to the soul. And I think that's the power of music as an art. Right. It's like for people to express their soul and have that reverberate throughout the world. And like that's huge. True. True. That's that's true art. It's the language of the soul. It is definitely. So we got Billie Holiday. Mm-hmm. We got Lionel we got, we got Quincy, we got Prince, and Brittany Howard, right, from Alabama and Shakes? Sure, that could be five. Okay. It, well, yeah. it doesn't. if you got more than five, that's cool. I mean, you can go outside the answer, go beyond well, yeah, the answer. Well, yeah, I mean, we could go on all day, right? Uh, right, Because that's can. been a huge conversation. We've been talking uh, about that for about a year center- and a half. <laughs> conversation centerpiece in our in our discussions, it's always, I, you know, and I been, randomly hit you with these questions too, <laughs> just out together, of nowhere. We've been together for a while yeah. and we can still talk about music for mm-hmm. pretty much days. Right. So, you know, I would say that's a good, that's a good representation. Okay. You know, is there anyone in particular you're listening to right now? Mm. Old, new, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Gosh, well, um, you know, you turned me on to, well, I always liked D'Angelo, but I love that Voodoo album that, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the best albums of all time, I and, would say. And uh, I want to say a big shout out and rest in peace to Roy Hargrove and his family mm. who recently passed of heart of a heart attack. He played trumpet on the on D'Angelo's Voodoo album. Very distinguishing sound. Dallas native, uh, Roy, you, you got some great music. You're a classy. I, I gotta be real and say that you're probably the most distinguishing trumpet player, um, after Miles Davis. And that's a huge comment and that is no bullshit. That sound you have on D'Angelo's voodoo, that 
changed R&B and everyone was trying to duplicate that sound if they couldn't book you. So, Roy, rest in peace. We love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you Way s- to honor the... Honor the greats. I think that's so yeah, important. Yeah, honoring what became what came before you is very important because they were influenced by somebody before they picked up their instrument and then so forth. Mm-hmm. That's that's truly important. Mm-hmm. So you you're saying yeah. D'Angelo's Voodoo album and oh gosh, you know. I, you know, I've been listening to the internet a little bit more because I just saw them live. So yeah. that's been that's been fun to get into them. And, you know, some of the younger um, emerging musicians that I think are opening, you know, kind of like the new the new creative genius that hopefully um, honors and carries forward the roots of you know, the legacy mm-hmm. of the greats. Right, right. Um, but I I do enjoy the young music out there that's emerging and really generating some new sound and some, you know, new stuff. So I love it all. I like I said, if it speaks to my soul, I'm gonna I'm gonna be right there. All right. Well <laughs> That explains it. That explains it. I know you got some you got some great taste. You you haven't played me anything whack, period. So you've even well, turned me on the Jack Johnson and I didn't I didn't even think that would be possible. Um, I think you I think you knew about Jack Johnson before me. I, I just, knew of him. I but, just have particular Jack Johnson songs that I dig. But. Well, the I, of course I knew of him, but I didn't I didn't give him really a chance because it just it just wasn't my flavor. It's only because you hadn't heard Banana Pancakes. Yeah, Banana I mean. Pancakes is underrated. <laughs> that that shit. I'll never forget the first time I heard that. I was like, "What is this?" It's but just it's, something to groove to. It's yeah, something it's, to connect around it's so it's so simple but yet so so good i couldn't believe that i couldn't believe that was that shit was that hot right that's funny that's funny that you you know really got into something that you didn't think you would like yeah Mm -hmm. i mean that can that can happen i mean i feel like i have a very good taste in music and there's so there's plenty of room to go right. but i didn't think that something outside of jack outside of what i have and it being jack johnson would be something that i would think like i need to check for more of his stuff right i think you have a stronger discernment and a, and a stronger taste and sometimes when you have a really strong and knowledgeable taste for music mm-hmm. um you know you become you know very particular and very uh, you know, connoisseur-like when it comes yeah. to your music, just like with, you know, being a foodie. It's like, no, I have particular taste and mm-hmm. particular likes. So yeah. um, I think that's one of the things I love about you is your, you know, your genuine in like wise and classy <laughs> look at what, what appeals to you in music. Yeah. And, have, you know, um... you're opening up a little more, though. I think I think I'm influencing you in that way because I tend to be like I look at it like, you know, it's somebody's art. It's somebody's expression. I can probably find something positive in almost anything I hear. Yeah. You know, and, and I have a kind of a uh, a different angle on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tend to go with, uh, you know. That's partly why I think it's hard for me to say, okay, these are my favorite albums because, you know, there's different songs that I like on all different albums and different songs and artists speak to me in different ways, you know? True. Uh, I have a very, um, I'm very accustomed to music that sounds very deep. Like my my favorite genre is jazz fusion. So I think that's, that's just, um that genre is so in-depth and anything kind of below it to me or anything that feels like it's kind of intent, uh, uh, imitate it to me. I'm just like, eh, whatever. Or mm-hmm. anything outside of it. Of course I love other genres, but to me, I think that epitomizes music and anything below it is just like, why even bother? But So what is it about jazz fusion but, to you that is so deep? Like, what is it about it that sets that as your standard? Well, jazz fusion to me... Or I can say there's so many different subgenres to jazz fusion. Like there's um, uh, jazz fusion, the kind that's very funky. Like my favorite, one of my favorite albums is um, 
thrust by Herbie Hancock. Herbie, come on the show. Um, it's very James Brown-like in the rhythm section. And Herbie being partially a student and former bandmate of Miles, he takes what he had learned from Miles, puts that on a Fender Rhodes, and just improvises out of it. To me, it's like... Um, Jazz fusion is like taking a whole bunch of scraps and turning it into an entirely new piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. It's there's no limits. There's so much improvisation on it. And you would think that something, two things that wouldn't necessarily go together work. Right. Particularly together, like they were meant for each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say that if you aren't a musician, that you wouldn't understand jazz and you wouldn't understand jazz fusion at all. But if you were a musician and you like jazz and jazz fusion, you would be able to get it. But it's it's remarkable of mixing some things together that you wouldn't think would work and it comes out to a masterpiece. It will, and that is the beauty of, to me, that's the beauty of music in general. I would say that. That concept of it's 12 notes. Right, it, <laughs> it it's is true. essentially like it is all the same notes, but and it's then what to, you do with those it's notes. It's what though. you do with those notes yeah, that n- is the powerhouse and true. the wheelhouse of your art. True, and I totally agree that I think that one of the things about fusion in general is that that um, that magic that happens when you connect two things that you may not have thought belong together, mm-hmm. and then you create something amazing out of that right and i feel that jazz fusion another another uh perk that i love about the genre is that everything feels extremely experimental like if you think about the first fusion album bitches brew by miles davis how that was made in 1969 if you play it now it feels like it was made yesterday right it feels way ahead of its time it feels like what in the world is this but it absolutely worked i think with your point of like it's all 12 notes but what can you do with those 12 notes right. i feel like all those jazz fusion albums are way ahead of itself like uh herbie herbie's album the headhunters and the follow-up with thrust as i mentioned earlier they're both back-to-back albums and they're four songs each i don't know of any fool who can make a four-track album now and have it be that banging 40 years later right i don't think there's anyone dre possibly maybe d'angelo but that's about it well i think that also speaks to maybe me (laughs) (laughs) maybe we'll see that's that's a we'll see on april 12th Uh uh-huh i i think that speaks to timeless and priceless genius genius right i think there are a lot of artists that have stood the test of time and and I agree with you when it comes to improvisational mastery like there is nothing like jazz to really have a true appreciation for what's possible mm-hmm. and that's like that's like the heart of innovation right mm-hmm. that's the heart of creativity is to expand our boundaries beyond our imagination true, right true, right and and I think, and I was also really reflecting on that when you asked the question of, you know, who your favorite artists are, because, you know, even artists like, I mean, that's where Quincy comes in the picture. That's where, you know, Aretha Franklin, um, you know, these artists that have stood the test of time, you know, even, you know, children and young folks are still listening to these artists. Like there is no, there's no, um, you know time period that expires for some of these musical geniuses right right and so that's to me also a, a reflection of great art mm-hmm. is art that stands the test of time right um so i asked you who are your top five or your most influential i'll go out i know I'll go you're out. going to you're I'll, gonna tell I'll go us to, yours yeah i'll I tell i'll it. tell the world mine you but love to tell your of the course, world yours of which course. is part of your gift of course and there's gonna be later episodes where i'm gonna get into an in-depth conversation about top five so you you folks gotta stay tuned for that um so my top five artists there's really six 
Um, so I got to always start at the root. I got to say my dad is not number one, but above number one because he influenced me to make music. He was self-taught, taught himself how to play four instruments. Not only self-taught, but masterfully taught himself how to master an instrument. Uh, his main one was bass. And uh, I, as a kid, as a little child, a toddler, a baby, I remember him playing around the house and such. So that's where I get my music gene from. So, Dad, love you. Rest in peace. He's above number one. Number one would be um, Dr. Dre. He inspired me to make beats. Um, the first album I ever bought was The Chronic. Uh, I would say after that is Herbie. Hancock, uh, my understanding from music came from Herbie. My deeper understanding from music came from Herbie. I remember my dad saying, if you like Fender Rhodes, you need to listen to Herbie. And I remember listening to Herbie, and I thought it was cool. But when I got older, I really understood music then. I listened to The Headhunters and Thrust almost every day for a year. And that's some dedication right there. So um, I would say next would be D'Angelo. Voodoo, I think, although my love for the Isley Brothers is deep in my heart, I think D'Angelo's Voodoo is the greatest R&B album ever made. It doesn't sound like R&B. It sounds like D'Angelo's Voodoo. It's its own genre. Uh, four, I would say, is uh, Snoop. Snoop. Yes, I, you just made a funny face, but she made a funny face when I said Snoop, but Snoop... I'm just surprised. I, I haven't heard that from you before. Snoop. I'm kind of uh, uh, intertwining... You're a Snoop lover? No, no, no. I've always loved Snoop. I'm kind of intertwining my top five albums at the same time. Gotcha. So um, Snoop, I think his first album, Doggy Style, is like the greatest debut album ever. It's a very kind of day in the life or a Monday through Sunday feeling kind of album. It's one of those albums you can clean your house with, just press play, and then the album will be done probably by the time you're done cleaning your house. It's that cold, and I think that's when Dre's uh, production elevated on another level. I think none of the songs sound the same either. It just has a very good flow. And I remember when that came out, it seemed like everywhere you went, that album was being played. I'm no having this the, vision of the Snoop the album uh, being a part of the cleaning supplies aisle. You know, like <laughs> with your cleaning supplies, you get your Snoop album yep. and it's going to get the job right, done. Turn, turn that Snoop on. Turn that Snoop <laughs> on. So um, we got my dad, we got Dre, we got um, Herbie, we got Snoop, and then D'Angelo, the, and then the other one. I'm going over five because I kind of messed up my list, but my influential list uh, is Wes Montgomery. I've introduced you to him. Uh, one of my favorite jazz artists and artists, period. Um, Where did uh, we take that photo with you and Wes oh, Montgomery? Oh, that was in, uh, Berkeley, that was in right? Berkeley. That yeah. was in Berkeley at the jazz school. Yeah. Uh, Wes Montgomery is one of my favorites because he's self-taught, self-taught guitarist. I think he's one of the best guitarist out there. He created his own sound. Um, exposed to octave range. Um, I just have a love for a guy that was just so in pocket and classy and, you know, people that went to school and got degrees and doctrines for for being a musician and he's self-taught showing all those guys with those degrees how to play mm -hmm. and he is playing better than them. To me, I'm kind of self-taught so I have that extra love for him. I feel he's just he's just right on time. It's just in pocket. It's just that type of stuff that's just never gonna get old. Mm -hmm. So well, and that kind of crosses back to our original conversation around you know fitness and athletes. I mean, you could look at this the same. You know, you're self-taught musicians. I think there's a very particular attraction that we have, similar to you know, the underdog, it's, there is something very, um, honorable and hugely inspirational and respectful around becoming, you know, 
who you want to be in the world of your own accord and despite obstacles, you know? Right. Very so, true. Very true. It's not just handed to you. This is not just, you know, talent that is wasted. This is, you know, you may have a spark within you and you feed that spark and you find ways to manifest it and cultivate it in the world um, with whatever it takes mm. around you. And that's the beauty of uh, artistry. That's the beauty of the human potential that we talked about. It's the kitchen sink, you know, like making something out of nothing. Like True. that's, that is. Good analogy. That Yeah. Good analogy. Yeah. I have to say an honorable mention is Miles Davis. I think he's just on an entirely different level. Right. He's, he's an acquired taste and he's, he's like champagne. It's just, you, you have him at a certain time. <laughs> that, that's how I feel. But he's, he, he's definitely on a, another level and, uh, I truly appreciate him. He, changed music multiple times and he's just one of a kind mm-hmm. um sweetheart that's all i got for for this episode i know our conversation will always continue and Go get better and, and better as as uh we get better and better um folks thank you for tuning into the third episode of record broker podcast if you love my podcast you can go to anchor.fm for slash record broker podcast and donate to my podcast so I can keep this rolling on a monthly basis. There's three options. You can donate as little as $1 a month. You can donate $5 or you can donate $10 a month. I truly appreciate it. The money will go towards keeping the podcast rolling, getting better equipment so I can have this thing uh, sounding even more professional down the road. Uh, You can always check me out on all digital stores under Marv Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y. And especially on SoundCloud, I have some new music coming out, so please stay tuned for that. Where can people find your services at, my dear? Oh, you can find me at wholelifelifted.com. And what can folks expect out of that? What services uh, are you That's offering? just health and fitness coaching, essentially. Um, and you can connect with me on social media and elsewhere as Whole Life Lifted. All or right. Tracy Corbett, you can find me, Google me. I'm there. Yeah, she's big. She's big time. <laughs> Huge, yeah. She's big time. Well, thank Pe- you. I love you, People need her baby. services. I love you, too, and thank you for coming on to my show. I truly appreciate it. Folks, it's a wrap. We will talk soon. Bye.